Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus again today. Thank you to all of you who shared so far. I I never did hear that, never knew of that story about that oil and finding that oil. That's that's pretty incredible. Uh, we can we can look at that illustration and learn lessons in life, you know, on all fronts, really. Uh, the diligence, the hard work, the not giving up. And today we we uh, walk to the over to the wall and just. Adjust the thermostat. We jump into our vehicles and turn the key and oh, as a result of someone somewhere at some time worked incredibly hard and toiled and to get things to where they are that we are now the recipients of those many benefits. So, amen. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. Perhaps before I begin the message, we could uh, stand together if you're able, and uh, we'll have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we bow our hearts to you again this morning. Thank you. Thank you for this assembly, and thank you for the many places where people are assembled today. Probably some in truth and others in pretense, as is mentioned in the scripture, whether the gospel is preached in truth or whether it is in pretense. Father, we we are grateful also wherever people are gathered. And today, we pray that the word of God would again be taught. It would have an effect in the lives of people throughout the world That your kingdom would continue to come and your will would continue to be done in the lives of your people, Lord. And that you would call many others to the life of uh, freedom and blessing in Christ. Father, help us to have our, uh, in our lives, to have that impact uh, on those we relate to in life. That we could be salt that uh, encourages others to seek after the, the Lord. So thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Thank you for the freedom to gather. And thank you for the freedom to preach the word of God. Bless us again this morning. In this part of the service, again, we ask for your spirit, for your help that we could rightly divide the word of truth, that we could look into the scriptures and be edified and exhorted and encouraged. So we look to you this morning as our shepherd and our savior. Thank you. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for each one present. And for those that are not present, bless each one. Pour out your spirit upon us, Father, we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So the last time that I preached a message here just several weeks ago, I preached a message on the, uh, I believe the title was Parenting in Difficult Times. And uh, in some conversation afterward, a comment was made by a brother that Something to the effect of preaching a message or messages to kind of give some more practical instruction on some of these points that I had given. And uh, always enjoy that kind of uh, encouragement. Also then this past Wednesday evening in our prayer group, we were, uh, we got into discussing about uh, Parenting, actually. Um, 
we got to discussing, uh, I believe it started out of the Old Testament, our discussion started out of the Old Testament, how the children of Israel would, they would go up and down, what we call up and down. At one point they would be serving God and then they would depart from God and then along would come a king and call them back to God. And you know, and, and, and we kind of got talking about passing on faith and, and passing on faith to the next generations and, and why, why, uh, we perhaps feel, uh, Israel seemed to have difficulty doing that and we got to talking about our own lives and, and, uh, the question came up, um, is it always the parents' fault if the children don't follow the faith of their parents? And um, and notice I said always. Uh, and the comment was made that uh, always and never are words that we should use carefully. And that is true. Oftentimes when we make sweeping statements using the word always or never, those sweeping statements are rarely actually true. Uh, so that's something to remember as we think about. Um, so on the question, are, you know, is it, is it, um, is it parents' fault? If, uh, our par- is, it, is it always a lack or a fault in parenting that causes... Uh, Children to uh, depart or, yeah, not follow the faith that uh, their parents endeavored to present to them. I would like to say right off that I would answer that question probably with a no. It's not always the parents' fault. However, I will clarify that we don't want to use, uh, we don't want to make excuse. There's kind of a fine line between facing our own needs as parents and striving to become um, purified in our parenting as opposed to resting in the Lord and trusting God and uh, recognizing that our children will at some point uh, they will be out of our care. They will make their own life's choices. And there will be other influences that will affect them. That is real. And that is, however, uh, and our, our time of parenting them, that window is, is that window. And when that window is gone, it's gone. Understand, you know, to a point at least it's gone. It's, it's a blessing when children continue to, uh, reach back into the lives of their parents even after they've left home and seek wisdom and seek understanding. Those are, those are wise things. But recognizing that that window of opportunity is here for a time and then it's gone. And, uh, there is something of by the grace of God, striving to make the best of that opportunity. There there should be something in our hearts that leans into the load with our hearts before the Lord, striving to make the best of that opportunity. Because the fact is, when it is gone, it is gone. Uh, when those 20 years are rolled out, uh, and it's not, it's actually the, it's actually the first seven years that, or so that are the is where the most of the impact takes place. But um, so um, just thinking again about that thought a little bit about that of of uh, the idea of not being careless about our own lives as parents and striving to be purified in our own parenting striving to have our own lives purified as opposed to just passing it off and saying, you know, they eventually going to have to make their own choices. Uh, you know, that, that fine line in there where we 
we don't just pass it off carelessly, yet at the same time to put the burden on parents that somehow they drastically failed in parenting and that's why this one and that one and that one haven't done well. That that's not really that's not really totally fair to a parent. Um, and though I realize we would all recognize our shortcomings. But I again I don't want to give us grounds to be careless. I want to encourage us in diligence. So that's uh, my thought there. I'd like to talk a little bit uh, today I'd like to talk about a healthy home atmosphere. Uh, the last time in the message, one of my points was a pleasant home atmosphere. Um, and just talked about that a little bit. Today, I'd like to talk about a healthy home atmosphere and spend some time talking about some specific points that will help create a healthy home atmosphere. Um, I'd like to... For beginners, I'd like to just use this illustration as we think about a home. And uh, the illustration is that of a greenhouse. And I have some familiarity with greenhouses, um, working in that environment. Um, so we all have some measure of understanding of what a greenhouse is. You know, you... You have a you have a January the tenth and the snow is blowing and it's fifteen degrees outside and you have in the middle of that cold world you have this structure covered with a film of plastic and inside that structure there are plants growing beautifully and healthily healthy. They're in a greenhouse. In that greenhouse, we create a healthy, protected environment. Right in the middle of a dark, cold world. Uh, But we are creating an environment where those plants can thrive and grow and uh, prosper. You know, Ephesians 6 verse 4 gives this instruction to fathers and says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, that instruction there is uh, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's talking about creating an environment for your children. And the instruction is to create an environment that is 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 nurturing and and guiding them in the things of the Lord. That's that's the environment that you're being encouraged to 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 raise your children in, to bring them up in in that kind of an environment. So we are in a world. It's a cold world, it's a dark world, it's a sinful world. That's where we are. But in that world we are instructed as parents to bring up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We are instructed to create, may I say, to you know, this is, these analogies break down at some point somewhere, but to create a greenhouse environment for them, a place where they can, uh, where they won't be uh, swallowed up by. The wickedness of the society. You know, if we would take uh, almost all of the plants that we grow in the greenhouse, uh, especially, uh, if we would take them in the middle of January as a young seedling and set them outside, they wouldn't last but minutes and they'd be done. Uh, but we are creating an environment that... Uh, that that plant can thrive. And that's a little bit what we have as parents with our children. We have a window of time, as I said. And we are encouraged to create an environment where they are growing up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, in the things of of Christ. It's basically a call to create a healthy, 
kingdom-focused environment for our children to grow up in. It's a place where your children see New Testament truths lived out in your lives every day. That's how you create that environment. It's by living out Bible truth, New Testament truth, in your day-to-day life situations. And in doing that, you are creating, and it's one of the aspects, but you are creating a, uh, a kingdom-focused environment. Now, that doesn't mean, uh, and, I'm, and there I'm talking about, you know, life in its everyday format. Uh, I'm, I didn't necessarily mention sitting down and having devotions as a family. That is also part, that is a, a very healthy part of it. But I'm talking about how you and your wife actually live out your everyday life. And as life situations unfold before you, and you respond in a biblical way to situations that life brings your way, and your children observe that, Your children are growing up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord as they are living in that environment. And that's that's kind of the focus we're going to have today. It's not the complete focus. Like I said, you know, I'm not going to talk about sitting down with your children and, and opening the Word of God and having family devotion together. I'm not going to talk about those things necessarily. I'm going to talk about more the... The, the idea of what they catch. The saying goes, there's more caught than is taught. And, and there, is there another saying something like this? Your actions speak so loud I can't hear your words or something like that. So we're going to be focusing a bit on, on that action part of things. So, we have that window of opportunity. Our children grew up in, in, in our home, in the environment that we as a husband and wife largely create for them. And they grow up there. And like I said, in time, they fly the coop. <laughs> they, uh, you know, other influences come into their lives. Uh, it's it's part of life, and uh, yeah, we we can't always con- we, we we can't control all those things as parents, and there comes a point where we need to let them go. And uh, but again, today we're going to focus on that window of opportunity that we have. So as we do that, as we think about a healthy home atmosphere. <clears throat> I'd like to, for the first point, I'd like to talk about um, like to talk about being at peace with God and man in your life. So we're thinking about a healthy home atmosphere. We're thinking about uh, that environment that we described where um, there's more caught than is taught. And so we uh, I'd like to take just a few moments and think about a being at peace with God and man. Uh, there's a, and you can turn to 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 11. And I'm gonna quote Romans 5, 1. It says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm reading verse 9 and forward to get some of the context, says this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
And I read that, uh, especially to focus in on the last part of that uh, verses, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And then just quoting Romans 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so taking just a few minutes to think about our relationship with God and and having our relationship with God up to date as we go through life and keeping it up to date, uh, keeping uh, m- uh, that... Uh, Keeping our conscience clean and clear. Keeping our, uh, maintaining that peace in our relationship with God. And doing what we need to do to maintain it. That, uh, as we go through life, our heart is free. And, uh, our spirit is free. That it, our conscience isn't weighed down with, with, uh, sin and issues. Because those things come through in our Day-to-day living, when our hearts are clouded with sin, our consciences are weighed down with a failure or whatever, those things come through. And our, our, in, and our parenting efforts uh, become, uh, they drag, if I can say it that way. They drag when we are not walking in freedom and in the spirit of Christ. And, and uh, like it says here, to... Be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so I want to encourage us in, in that point, first of all, as we, uh, as we go through life, as we are parenting, to, to be earnest about that relationship with God and to, to keep it, to do what we have to do as we go through life to keep that relationship clear with God. So that the grace of God and the Spirit of God can continue to work in our lives and can continue to uh, be our help day by day as as life unfolds and and so forth. Striving to walk in a life of obedience to Christ, keeping our heart and conscience clear before God. Peace with God, assurance of having our sins that our sins are forgiven. One of the essential things in, in creating a healthy home atmosphere. Peace with God. A heart that's at rest. That is all well with my soul. Then secondly, like to think about uh, being at peace with our fellow man. Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15 says this. And maybe we should turn to that to give you a moment there. Turn to Hebrews 12. Verse 14 and 15. Scripture says this, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. This this verse kind of speaks for itself. Um, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, springing up trouble you. So we were talking about uh, peace with God and then peace with man. You know. Uh, I'm sure that it's not a secret to any of you that maintaining clear and peaceful relationships with our fellow man doesn't just happen. It sometimes requires effort. Uh, and we're, and uh, the fact that as human beings, the opportunities to take up offenses or the opportunities to become bitter, uh, as this scripture says, uh, they're there. Um, that's life, right? Uh, those opportunities come in our experiences. 
uh, not making excuses for the, for causing that in people's lives, but the reality is those opportunities come. And this scripture, like it says here, uh, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. If there is a point, any point in our lives that we would want to put on the high alert, I would say it is this one. You know, in in our lives to recognize that if we as a person have something going on in our lives with someone else and it has become a grudge, it has become something sore in our hearts and 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 it's just kind of eating us from the inside. And I, I realize I'm making it appear pretty severe. I don't think it actually even has to be that severe. But like it says here, many be defiled. If, if there's something that will carry through in your, uh, in the atmosphere that you create in your home, uh, this will, this will carry through. This will, uh, this will affect the environment that you're creating. And this will affect your children as you, uh, as you endeavor to parent, if you're carrying uh, bitterness or uh, you're not at peace with your fellow man, it will have an effect. It will have an impact and it will affect your, uh, your parenting, your environment in your home, which in turn will affect your children. Take those burdens to the Lord. Find freedom in your heart. Again, freedom. Find freedom. Forgive where you need to forgive. Uh, have the conversation that you may need to have if, if, if that seems necessary. But find freedom so that you can continue to create an environment that isn't tainted by what's going on in your own heart. Creating a healthy, kingdom-focused environment in our home. Be at peace with God and be at peace with your fellow man. And the next point I'd like to consider for a little bit is be at peace with life. Um, There's a lot of directions we go with that. But uh, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And maybe while you're turning there, I'll quote Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says this, Hebrews 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 8, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment therewith, let us therewith, let us be therewith content. So these verses speak of of contentment, contentment in life. Uh, And I like to talk about this even in a broader level than what these verses actually uh, are focusing on. But it, it, uh, these verses speak of being at peace with life. Being at peace with life as God has allowed it for you. Uh, having food and raiment therewith be content. Uh, contentment, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain, uh, the scripture tells us. And so, uh, be at peace with life. And uh, like to think about several different uh, points in this. And first of all, I'd like to, uh, to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, being at peace with life. I'd like to say be at peace with your spouse. Now, maybe you wonder why would I need to say that? Be at peace with your spouse with your husband, with your wife. 
be at peace with his or her strengths and weaknesses. Be at peace with his or her giftings or lack of giftings. Be at peace with who they are. Be at peace with her ability to manage responsibilities or again, lack of ability. Be at peace with your spouse and I'll try to meet that out a bit more. I remember a situation years ago, it was in a different state, but it was someone that uh, we knew in the early days of our experience at charity. And, uh, of course, that was back in the days of the, uh, you know, the home series of tapes and all that and the strong emphasis, uh, teaching on the home and fathers and Leader, leading the home and all those kind of things and good things. Uh, yeah. But there was this situation where a wife, just her husband just was never the spiritual leader that she thought a man should be. She was not at peace with her husband and his giftings. And she just couldn't lay that down. She, uh, she, uh, just, this, her husband just needed to be this dynamic, this spiritual leader, this man of God, this man who is just, and she could not rest in his giftings and in who he was as a person. And the, the situation, as uh, the last I've known the situation, they've, they've been separated and, uh, uh I've, I've not I've not heard anything in years, but uh, but that's what I'm talking about uh, when I'm talking about being at peace with your spouse, with their giftings, with who they are as a person. Uh, you can if if you're if you're not at peace with your spouse, uh, you can be assured that your home environment uh, is going to be affected. It's going to, uh, it's going to bleed through. I even, th- I think of another situation also in our circles that, uh, it's, it's a bit closer home, uh, but a couple that never got along, uh, were from a very, from a conservative Mennonite background and yet these two could never get along. And, I think the same thing may be true there. I'm not sure that they're together either currently. But uh, the children suffered through tremendous uh, instability because of two parents that were just not at peace with each other at all. And that's sad. So I want to encourage us in that. I want to encourage you in that. Um, it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we don't take time to share a word of concern to each other as couples or a word of encouragement or, or, or express something that we feel perhaps should be considered to be changed or whatever. It doesn't mean we just ignore everything in life, but it does mean that, uh, what it means is that if there is something to, to talk about that should be talked about, we talk about it and then we put it to rest and we go on with life. We, we're not carrying this thing with us every day. And, uh, it just affects the atmosphere in our home if we are carrying things toward each other and not at rest. So don't harbor a spirit of dissatisfaction toward your spouse. And that is on any level, any level of your interactions as a couple. <clears throat> and I'd like to say this to you as a wife, be at peace with your husband's occupation, with his earnings, and the level of living he provides for you. Be at peace with that. I remember 
Or I know of a, a situation where a young lady married a dairy farmer. And uh, she made the comment that she would never imagine that she would marry a dairy farmer. That she would be a dairy farmer's wife. But she said, since I am, uh, I never thought I'd be a dairy farmer's wife. But someone, I'm going to be the best one I can possibly be. That's what we're talking about. You know, uh, sometimes uh, a wife will haggle her husband over his choice of occupation because she doesn't really like it. And uh, you can be assured that a dairy farmer's wife has to uh, put up. I don't know. That's not the word. But, <laughs> you know, well, I'll just say it. Put up with some things that uh, the uh, office guy uh, doesn't, the wife of the office guy doesn't have to put up with. Or is, that, is that okay to say it that way? Is that good? <laughs> You know, we know what we're talking about. But to to be at rest with that occupation. And again, you know, it, there's times where there may be concerns and there's a place to speak up and express those concerns. That's, you know, we're not talking about uh, gagging, a gag order and you just endure everything when there's something you should be talking about. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about life... Uh, and being at rest, and in that context, and may I say that wife that I've talked about, that dairy farmer's wife, is doing just that. She is being the best one she can possibly be, and her husband is one happy dairy farmer. Uh, that's long and short of it. And then for you as husbands, be at peace with your work. You know, uh, again, it it doesn't mean that there isn't times where you consider a change, a change of job. But don't live in a state of griping and complaining about your work, your boss, and the people you work with. If, if that's where you're living, it'll bleed through. It'll bleed through into the environment of your home. It'll affect uh, your children. So... Whatever you have to do, if you find yourself in a situation, uh, whether it's the job that needs to change or whether it's you that need to change, but be at peace with your occupation and your work. And if something isn't working out well, then prayerfully consider how that, you know, what needs to change and how you can pursue something different or whatever. But, uh, understand, be at peace with life with uh, situations. And again, there would probably be a lot uh, a lot more uh, that could be said as far as life and the different uh, aspects. <clears throat> I'd like to move on. I'd like to encourage you as you think about your creating a healthy kingdom-focused environment in your home um, also like to encourage us in the area of be at peace with your church. And for this, uh, we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to verse 16. These verses describe a, a church life to a point. Beginning in Ephesians 4, verse 11, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole, 
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And I think I'll stop there. But those verses are obviously speaking about church life uh, and uh, church realities and uh, speaks of uh, coming in the, into the union of, of the faith, speaks of growing together, speaks of, uh, uh, grow, yeah, verse 15, growing up in to him in all things, uh, speaks of the whole body fitly joined together and each person providing something to that body um, and the body making increase of itself in love. So uh, we see we see the the whole church dynamic at work right there in those verses and and um, and the many uh, encouragements that it gives us. You know, churches uh, be at uh, and again be at peace with your church. Churches are made up of people. I, get, I think we knew that, right? Churches are made up of people. People have different giftings and abilities. People have different interests and personalities. And the, and, uh, the likelihood of facing challenges with people in church life is very real. We know that. We've all been uh, in those places from time to time. They, there's a saying that the number one reason that missionaries come home from the field is personality conflicts. Uh, we could maybe ask the question, is that the number one reason people leave churches? I don't know if there's any research on that or not, but uh, I know it does happen some. You know, the, the, the challenges that one might face uh, in being at peace with your church could be on a relational level with those in your church, or it could be on a directional level where there's a direction that you, uh, the church seems to be going that you're not appreciating for whatever reason. So there's various uh, places that you could find yourself in a, in I don't know, conflict the word, but in unsettledness, I'll use that word, in your experience as a, in church life. Some have left the church because they felt it was becoming too worldly and its values were becoming uh, worldly in nature. And others have left because they felt the church was becoming too plain, <laughs> too conservative, too... Uh, stringent. For our topic today, creating a healthy kingdom-focused environment in your home, whatever the case, it is important to be at peace with the church that you choose to attend. As we think about a healthy home environment, and I think we all know that uh, there obviously is not a perfect church. There, there will be in church life, there will be uh, challenges faced wherever we are. But it is important that that we are at peace with our church that we have that we choose to attend. That we uh, work out, uh, find a solution uh, to the. Uh, conflicts that may be going on in our hearts as opposed to carrying them for years and having our, having that bleeding through in our home environment and affecting our children. Uh, it, it's, it's an important aspect of creating a healthy home environment. Um, so I want to encourage us with that one. Be at peace with your church. Find uh, solutions to the the things that may be uh, robbing you of that peace. Uh, 
taking that piece away. As we think about some of these points, you know, creating a healthy um, kingdom-focused environment in our homes, and we talked about uh, we've talked about being at peace with God. We talked about being at peace with our fellow man. We talked about being at peace with as spouses. We've talked about being at peace with life, its various uh, fronts. You know, work, uh, community, even neighbors didn't really talk about that. But being at peace uh, with life. You know, when we think about those various points that we considered, and and uh, I think there could be a quite a lot more probably added to that. But think about this. What are some of the spiritual exercises that you will need to participate in if you're going to accomplish the above? You know, we talked about those points. Um, What are some of the spiritual exercises that you will need to participate in if you will, uh, if you're going to accomplish the above? Remember early in the message I mentioned about um, living out Bible truths in everyday life and how that, uh, how that, you're, that doing that, living that, uh, creates the, creates an environment that your children see that at work. So let's think about some of those very things that, uh, uh, we need to exercise if we will, uh, accomplish the above. Think about just the uh, the subject of love. The Bible has a lot to say about love, about loving our fellow man, about uh, yeah, by 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 our love one for another, people will know that we are his disciples. Just uh, quoting uh, several verses that relate to love and the exercise of love. Romans twelve verse ten: Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor. Preferring one another. Uh, that verse, uh, that verse, uh, to accomplish that verse is going to be an exercise in our lives. Uh, in honor, preferring one another. Uh, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Uh, those are, to, to fulfill a verse like that is, is a, it's an exercise that we actually have to Engage our hearts in as we go through life. First Peter one twenty two says this, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And then First John 4 verse 12 says this, no, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Not going to take the time to make a sermon out of love, but just to draw our attention to it. Uh, recognizing that that's one of the uh, scriptural instructions that are given to us in so many, many different verses in scripture and an instruction to love one another and that you know that's a, that's a broad uh, instruction it it relates to all humanity on some form of another some form or another i should say uh, that we would uh, and of course it you know it it uh, it as it relates to different contexts that it has different meaning, obviously. In church life, it has a certain context. In in loving your uh, co-workers, that's another context. In loving your the person that lives next door to you, that's another context. But understanding the 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 basic of love and and that love seeks the the well-being of the other individual, and love seeks the the uh, to yeah to to be able to contribute something of benefit 
to people in life. And that's an exercise. If we are to accomplish the, the things that we talked about, uh, exercising our hearts in the instruction to love. Another one would be f- uh, forgiveness. Uh, uh, Jesus in uh, in Matthew 6 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then Ephesians 4 verse 2, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. The word forbearing... Uh, it it's not necessarily meaning forgiving. It means it gives more the idea of of uh, uh, for bearing uh, bearing patiently with one another uh, would probably be the idea. But again, the the uh, uh, one of the exercises. And I'll say it that way. One of the exercises that if we will accomplish the above points, it's one of the things that we will have opportunity to exercise. Forgiveness. You know, how many times have you needed to forgive each other as couples, for example? Uh, forgive your husband, forgive your wife for whatever uh, might have been your experience. Uh, so forgiveness is one of the exercises that... Uh, will be very much a part of our lives if we uh, strive to accomplish the above points. Another one is humility. Philippians 2, verse 3. In fact, let's turn there. Let's turn to Philippians 2, and we'll read verses 3 through 8. Humility. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I'm going to stop there. As we think about humility, we have uh, this instruction given to us in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, Again, if if we will fulfill the points that we talked about, we will have ample, ample opportunity to exercise humility in life. Um, it's, or if, yeah, if we will accomplish those points, we will have ample opportunity to exercise humility. And uh, it's uh, one of the instructions as it's given here that it's the posture of mind and heart that we are to embrace. One of humility, one that uh, doesn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought and sees value in our fellow man is uh, kind of a quick little definition. And then, one for you as husbands and wives... um, Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. If you're going to accomplish the uh, points that we spoke of, you will have ample opportunity for this as well. To reverence your husband as a wife to, and as a husband to love your wife. So, uh, as we think about, again, thinking about uh, the environment uh, that we are, as parents, are creating. Um, and thinking about the exercising the scriptural uh, instruction that will help, will create that environment. We have lots of opportunity. 
but I like, uh, you know, uh, I like to just kind of close with this thought. You know, life is a journey. You know, we're not perfect, are we? In, uh, you know, as parents, I'm not, uh, I doubt there'd be anybody that would stand up and say, you know what, I'm the perfect parent. I have it figured out. <laughs> um, life is a journey. And I'd like to encourage us that God takes us from where we are right now. Uh, life is a journey of growth. Consider these verses. Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, as we reflect on the Lord, as we reflect on the Word, as we reflect on uh, His instruction for us and His guidance for our lives, as we ref- uh, as we look into the, uh, the the Word of God, as it says here, we behold, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. So, there's the Spirit of God at work. And as we look into the Word of God and we consider our own lives in light of the Word of God, and we uh, recognize from time to time those areas of need, those points of concern that we see in our own lives and responses and so forth, as we... Uh, bring those things to God, the Spirit of God can work and bring growth in our lives, bring growth in our experience, bring growth in our uh, journey. Peter says it this way in Second Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God is interested in continuing to uh, bring growth in our lives and experience. And uh, Philippians 1.6 says it this way, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, you know, you're here. Wherever you are in life, whatever stage you find yourself in life, it really doesn't matter how young in the Lord or how old we are. Uh, God is still at work. And we can have confidence, like this verse says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it. He will continue to work in your life. And, uh, And I realize that, that verse, uh, you know, needs to be clarified with the fact of us having a willing heart and, and seeking. He that seeks shall find to him that knocks it shall be open. You know, God doesn't just, we're not robots and God doesn't just move us at his will wherever he wants us. But God will finish the work that he has begun in us. Uh, if we, if our heart is uh, for that, if our heart is turned toward him, and if our heart is is uh, continuing to walk in obedience to Him and His Spirit, He will finish that work. And so I want to leave that with us as an encouragement. Uh, you know, God is always interested in picking up wherever we are and uh, taking us on. And we can be assured of that when it comes to our homes and our families and and creating a uh, a healthy environment for our children that are growing up among us. So let's close with a word of prayer. If we could just bow our heads for a moment. Father, again, we are thankful today. Thankful for your word. Thankful for the practical instruction you give us as it pertains to life, day-to-day living. Again, today I ask a blessing on each one here, and especially I think today of the 
younger parents who are standing on the threshold of of parenting and and family and I ask that you would bless them with courage with a vision with zeal lord with your spirit and lord as we talked about some of the practical uh day to day uh working out uh scriptural truths in everyday living i pray you'll bless them bless us all to that effect as well to be able to uh together create that home environment that uh, our children can prosper and uh, grow in their understanding of you, in their understanding of how a Christian lives out uh, life. And again, Father, thank you. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for being with us and blessing us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I was praying there, I just thought of the uh, uh, another illustration that where uh, what is uh, would you say what is more is caught than is taught, and this is outside of the context of the home. But I just thought of that the Nickel Mine School shooting and how the Amish community responded to the situation and how that testimony, in a sense rocked the world. Uh, that testimony went worldwide uh, and uh, many people who knew nothing about love and forgiveness were scratching their heads as they looked at that whole scene and the response. So, just for whatever that's worth, uh, our lives, thinking about our lives and the testimony of our lives as we Go on in life.